What you think you are, you are not. Your excitement is no better than the swarming of ants. Race of the spirit to of the body. From Metaphysics of War, Battle, Victory and Death in the World of Tradition by Julius Savola. But the highest instrument of the inner awakening of race is combat, and war is its highest expression. That pacifism and humanitarianism are phenomena closely linked to internationalism, democracy, cosmopolitanism and liberalism is perfectly logical, the same anti-racial instinct present in some is reflected and confirmed in the others. The will towards subracial leveling inborn in internationalism finds its ally in pacifist humanitarianism, which has the function of preventing the heroic test from disrupting the game by galvanizing the surviving forces of any remaining not completely deracinated peoples. That Christ you poor ignorant Christians. Christolatry. The United Nations General Assembly adopted a resolution on Thursday suspending Russia from the United Nations Human Rights Council because of the country's war in Ukraine. The resolution was adopted by 93 votes in favor, 24 against and 58 abstentions. The text needed a two-thirds majority, not including abstentions, to be adopted. Russia, China, Cuba, North Korea, Iran, Syria and Vietnam were among those who voted against. Abstainers included India, Brazil, South Africa, Mexico, Egypt, Saudi Arabia, the United Arab Emirates, Jordan, Qatar, Kuwait, Iraq, Pakistan, Singapore, Thailand, Malaysia, Indonesia, and Cambodia, among others. The Death of the Western Continent From the Lost Art of Resurrection, Initiation, Secret Chambers and the Quest for the Other World by Freddie Silver. Giza slash Jesu slash Jesu slash Jesus bears a long etymological, historic, and geographic fingerprint. Its variants are Giza, a Celtic oath or taboo, sacred, forbidden, Gusi, the cult of ancestral spirits followed by tribes in Borneo, Geezy, the Ethiopian term for self-awareness, Isa, the guardian of the sacred shrines of Dahomey, and so on. These spiritual qualities then became the foundation of titles given to rulers representing the concept of the resurrected God-man. Examples include Gezer of Ling, a savior god of Tibet circa 2500 BC who descended from heaven, slept in a cave, and restored order to the world, Jizo, a Japanese Bodhisattva circa 1200 BC who built pyramids, assisted others on the path to enlightenment, was raised from the dead, and presides at the Temple of Eyes, Geza Khan, sun king and epic hero of Mongolia, Essus, atoning god-man of Gaul circa 800 BC, crucified with a lamb at his side, and honored by the Kanyushsi, followers of Isis, who Essus, Celtic god born of a virgin, prince of the other world, Iasius, young Cretan god who lay in a field with Demeter, Eshu, Nigerian god who brought heavenly knowledge, Iazar, the same in ancient Phoenicia, and finally, but not exhaustively, the European titles for exalted ruler, whether they deserved the epithet or not, Tsar, Kaiser, and Caesar. From Wikipedia. In classical Tibetan sky Xam entry born slash newly born. King Gesar has a miraculous birth, a despised and neglected childhood, and then becomes ruler and wins his first wife Brugmo through a series of marvelous feats. In subsequent episodes, he defends his people against various external aggressors, human and superhuman. 
Instead of dying a normal death he departs into a hidden realm from which he may return at some time in the future to save his people from their enemies. Cosmic Prelude and Tibet's Early History One motif explains how the world collapsed into anarchy, numerous demon kings, Wiley, Pdud, had avoided subjection. As a result, hordes of cannibalistic demons and goblins, led by malignant and greedy rulers of many kingdoms, wreak havoc. Tibet's conversion from barbarity to Buddhism under the three great Dharma kings often features. Episodes relate how Padmasambhava slash Guru Rinpoche subdued Tibet's violent native spirits. His miraculous or mundane birth, in one account, he was fatherless, like Padmasambhava, who assists his celestial creation by creating a Nagini who then serves the king of Ling, and is impregnated by drinking a magic potion, and is born from his mother's head, like Athena in Greek mythology. His early years, Geza's mission as a divine emissary is to vanquish powerful demons on earth. Until his adolescence he is depicted as black, ugly, nasty, snotty, and troublesome. His paternal uncle, or the king's brother Tadong, banishes both son and mother to the Amar Plateau, where he grows up living a feral life, with the child clothed in animal skins and wearing a hat with antelope horns. He comes first in a horse race whose trophy consists of the kingship of Ling. His victory marks his coming of age, as consecrated king, he proclaims himself the great lion, wish-fulfilling jewel, subduer of foes. He also assumes the name Geza. Mounted on his miraculous steed Kyang Gokaka, he subsequently wages military campaigns, together with thirty companions, against the frontier countries that represent evil. Horse Race and Kingship When he is twelve, a horse race is held to determine who will become the king of Ling and who will marry the beautiful daughter, Brujmo, of a neighboring chieftain. Returning to Ling, Geza wins the race, marries Brujmo, and ascends the golden throne. He thenceforth assumes the title Geza. Balti and Ladoki Version In Balti version of Kesar epic he is considered to be son of god Layokbun, who was sent to Mil-earth to restore peace and stability. Familiar Christians? Similarities with motifs in Turkic heroic poetry. Chadwick and Hermansky consider that the main outlines of the cycle as we have it in Mongolia, Tibet and Lodok show an outline that conforms to the pattern of heroic poetry among the Turkic peoples. A, like the Kyrgyz hero Bolat, Geza, as part of an initiation descends as a boy into the underworld. B, the gateway to the underworld is through a rocky hole or cave on a mountain summit. C, he is guided through the other world by a female tutelary spirit, Manane slash grandmother, who rides an animal, like the Turkic shamaness Karachak. D, like Karachak, Geza's tutelary spirit helps him against a host of monstrous foes in the underworld. E, like Bolat, Geza returns in triumph to the world, bearing the food of immortality and the water of life. F, like the Altai shamans, Geza is born heavenward on the back of a bird to obtain herbs to heal his people. But Christians and their Jesus are unique. Kashitagapa, Jizo. His name may be translated as Earth Treasury, Earth Store, Earth Matrix, or Earth Womb. Kashitagapa is known for his vow to take responsibility for the instruction of all beings in the six worlds between the death of Gautama Buddha and the rise of Maitreya as well as his vow not to achieve Buddhahood until all hells are emptied. 
This means getting rid completely of your passions. Usually depicted with a halo, he carries a staff and a jewel. He went to Mount Jiwar in present-day Anhui. After ascending, he decided to build a hut in a deep mountain area so that he could cultivate the Dharma. Was bitten by a poisonous snake but he did not move, thus letting the snake go. Essus, Essus, or Ashes was a Gaulish god. Essus hues symbolize the tree of life, with its associations of destruction and death in winter and rebirth in the spring. Familiar Christian? Isu was the chief enforcer of natural and divine laws, he is the deity in charge of law enforcement and orderliness. Familiar Christian? As the religion has spread around the world, the name of this Orisha has varied in different locations, but the beliefs remain similar. Isu is always at the middle of divergent world forces. He controls and regulates the two extremes, the world of happiness, joy, and fulfillment, as well as the arena of destruction, hopelessness, and sorrow. What Christians have not understood, the result of the fight is not important, the fight is indispensable. The Christian refuses the fight and is the apostle of universal purity. LOL. Except that he is not awake. He's therefore a tartuf. Isu maintains the delicate balance of good and bad, just and unjust. Nothing to do with Christianity. All this new age delusion of the fight against evil is childish. Sometimes you have to be a bastard, sometimes an angel. It depends on the circumstances. The Christian is a usurper. He claims to be the apostle of that Christ, while he has not undergone any kind of initiation. Isulalu is a bosom friend, working partner, confidant, and close associate of Oranmila Barami Agbonayagun, the one who practices and teaches Ifa, an esoteric language of Oladamer, containing divine message of life, through a very complex divinatory system, and who also teaches wisdom. The name of Eshu varies around the world, in Yorubaland, Eshu is Esu Ilegba Olaulu Ogrioko, Eshu de Condomble in Condomble, Eshu in Sonteria and Latin America, Legbu in Haitian Voodoo, Liba in Winti, Eshu de Kimbondo in Kimbonda, Lubanibu in Palo Mayombe, and Eshu in Latin America. From the Natural Genesis, Volume 2 by Gerald Massey. Christianity the Cult of the Carnalized Christ. For what could be more shocking to any sense really religious, than the belief that the very God himself had descended to earth as an embryo in a virgin's womb, to run the risk of abortion and universal miscarriage during nine months in utero, and then dying on a cross to save his own created world or a portion of its people from eternal perdition? The opponents of the latest superstition were too intelligent to accept a dying deity. Porphyry terms the Christian religion a blasphemy barbarously bold. A monstrous superstition, exclaims Pliny. A pestilence, cries Suetonius. Exigibilis superstitio, says Tacitus. Certain most impious errors are committed by them, says Celsus, due to their extreme ignorance, in which they have wandered away from the meaning of the divine enigmas. When Peter, Philip, and John, as preachers of the new creed, were summoned before the Jewish hierarchs to be examined, the council decided that they were only ignorant men, unlearned in the oral law, unskilled in the tradition of interpretation, believers who did not know the true nature of that which they taught. They were not punished, 
but dismissed with warnings, or contempt, or, as we have the word in later language, idiots. They were idioti, whether judged by Kabbalist or Gnostic, Jew or Gentile. You poor ignorant idioti, said the Gnostics, you have mistaken the mysteries of old for modern history, and accepted literally all that was only meant mystically. You spawn of Satan, responded the Christians, you are making the mystery by converting our accomplished facts into your miserable fables, you are dissipating and dispersing into thin air our only bit of solid foothold in the world, stained with the red drops of Calvary. You are giving a satanic interpretation to the word of revelation and falsifying the oracles of God. You are converting the solid facts of our history into your newfangled allegories. Nay, replied the Gnostics, it is you who have taken the allegories of mythology for historic facts. Two thousand years later, no change. Same idiots. And they were right. It was in consequence of their taking the allegorical tradition of the fall for reality that the Christian fathers considered woman to be accursed and called her a serpent, a scorpion, the devil in feminine form. Whether Jews, Greeks, or Romans, those who were versed in the Gnosis, and acquainted thus far with the origin of the doctrines, could not, and did not, become Christians in the sense now current, they could not, and did not, accept historic Christianity, the Gnostics were its bitterest opponents because they knew. On the one hand we have the Salvation Army of the first century, who were so ignorant of all that preceded them that they redated everything from their own indefinite epoch AD. Two thousand years later, no change. So ignorant they believed everything that is impossible in nature to be true because that proved the miracle of the supernatural. That which was pre extant all through as mythos cannot become historical in a last confused rendering of the same subject, found in four gospels which were concocted from a hundred previous ones. The Christians, and here the worst foes of the truth, have ever been the rationalizers of the mythos. They have assumed the human history as the starting point, and accepted the existence of a personal founder of Christianity as the fundamental fact. Fools! They have done their best to humanize the divinity of the mythos by discharging the supernatural and miraculous element from the history in order that it might be accepted. This is why Christianity can't awaken anyone, it's only a fetish and therefore mortal. Whereas the awakening is eternal. One is spiritual, the other materialistic, that is why Christianity created socialism and all other materialisms. Thus they have lost the battle from the beginning by fighting it on the wrong ground. M. Renan, for instance, claims to be historical before all things, yet he fully admits the legend and illusion, and then proceeds to convert the mythos into history by rationalizing the miracles. These people are dumb. The most ancient, gold bedizened, smoke-stained Byzantine pictures of the virgin and child represent the mythical mother as Isis, and not a human Mary of Nazareth. Christianity is a thonic cult that does not awaken anyone, worse it provides them with a plane of perdition, making them in a cult about the afterlife, a dead cult. It forbids its members from the necessity of introspection to awaken. It's a criminal cult. Not only Christians are lying to themselves, but they are preventing people from realizing themselves. Criminal. Criminal. Here arose as Ichthus, the fish, because Pisces was the sign of the cross after 255 BC, and as the lamb, or am, 
because Aries had been the previous sign. And here it may be pointed out that equinoctial Christolatry has falsified the time of the world. The mythical Christ was first born as Ichthus in the year 255 BC that was a true date. At the end of this century the Vernalcle will pass into the sign of Aquarius, and the year 1901 will be the year one of the Waterman. And at that date the time of the world ought to be made astronomical once more. Then equinoctial Christolatry might resume its chronological course, and no longer falsify the time kept in heaven with a reckoning that is wrong by 255 years on earth. After Ichthus comes the deluge of the Waterman. The ready waterer in heaven. Stands waiting till the sign be given. To break the clods of sterile creeds. And free in flowers the fruitful seeds. Christianity commenced absolutely without criticism or inquiry concerning the foundational facts, and its history was manufactured from mythology called prophecy. The cardinal facts of the New Testament are founded on an illusion regarding the nature of the old, and the latest form of equinoctial Christolatry was based upon traditions falsely interpreted. The primary foundation stone for a history in the New Testament is dependent upon the fall of man being a fact in the old, whereas it was only a fable that had its own mythical and unhistorical meaning. When we try over again that first step once taken in the dark, W. We find no foothold because there was no stair. The history in the New Testament has been accepted by those who were ignorant of the mythos in the old. Paul passed away and his writings remained with the enemy, to be withheld, tampered with, reindoctrinated, and turned to account by his old opponents who preached the gospel of Christ carnalized. Las Casas relates how easily the converted Indians, who could not read Spanish and whose books had been destroyed, would portray the Christian legend and dogmas from their own symbols and characters, and says he had seen a large portion of the Christian doctrine written in their figures and images. When the scriptures were first made known to the Arawaks of Guyana as the word of God, they observed, the word is good, but we knew most of it before. What chiefly arrested their attention was the statement of the word having been made flesh to die for the salvation of men. Mythology had everywhere prepared the way for that belief, in the absence of the Gnosis. When the story of the Christian Messiah was first told to the natives of New Zealand, the missionaries and the Maoris were equally amazed to find the likeness of Jesus to the character of Torhaki, a messiah already known to them, of whom the self-same incidents were related as those now retold of the later Christ. The connection between Torhaki and Osiris, or Horus, is shown by his death having been effected by the reptile gods, the apophis and conspirators in the ritual. The Buddhist is able to prove that the history of Jesus is one with that of Buddha, called Gautama. The three degrees of purification, initiation, and perfection corresponded to those of the Greek Eleusinia, and the three degrees in masonry. Certain of the Christian fathers came to see the likeness of their mysteries to those of the Mithraic religion which, as Plutarch testifies, had been especially established in Rome about the year 70 BC. Augustine says, I know that the priest of him in the capitious Pilate I used at one time to say our capped one is himself a Christian, or a Christ. Which means that the Mithraists identified the Christ with Mithra, the Christ of the Bonnets Rouges in the catacombs. 
Peter, in his epistle to James, urges the necessity of taking extreme precautions to prevent the secret doctrine from being promulgated or divulged. Too bad it was. Clement Alexander, who calls the Gnosis the apprehension of things present, future, and past, affirms that the mysteries hidden until the time of the apostles were those that had been concealed in the Old Testament. The cult of equinoctial Christology substituted faith for knowledge as the guiding principle. Valentinus said the Christians had faith, but his followers possessed knowledge. Equinoctial Christology boasts of having put an end to individual sacrifice, but it is compatible with the masses of that oiling people being offered up forever in one great sacrifice. The other world has been held as a lure in front of that beast of burden, the producer, in order that the scent of future food in another life might make him forego his right to the common grazing ground in this world. The equinoctial crystallators are responsible for postponing to a future stage of existence the redress of wrongs and the righting of inequalities which can only be rectified in this. Ever ready to fight with shadows like the primal curse or to promise the lost paradise to those who have faith, in defiance of facts, that it once existed, they leave it for communists and nihilists to force into the sphere of practical politics the discussion of reforms that have to be effected before humanity can be saved. You can see why I say that Christianity created communism. Because it created it, equinoctial Christology has fanatically fought for its false theory, and waged incessant warfare against nature and evolution, nature's intention made visible, and against some of the noblest human instincts, during 18 centuries. Seas of human blood have been spilt to keep the bark of Peter afloat. Earth has been honeycombed with the graves of the martyrs of free thought. The only way to dispose finally of the false history in the Old Testament or the New was by recovering the true tradition. This has now been attempted to the depth. Good luck Westerners. For the prices, so let's change our contract that way. So if it was all right for the EU to propose that, why is it not all right for Russia to propose that they now pay in one? It shouldn't be too difficult for them to pay in one, but we all know there's an underlying reason why they don't want to do that, because there's a fear that the financial system, which is already shifting, the global monetary system, is already shifting away from fiat money, which basically has no real backing to it at all. It's just a, a promise to pay, nothing more, um, and a promise to pay by printing more money. But moving away from that to a commodities and an asset-based currencies, i.e. currencies that are based on real things like either gas, oil, wheat, whatever, rare, rare metals, or gold. And this is where we seem to be moving. I mean, it was in 1971 that Nixon did away with the gold window. And now, quietly, without much attention in the press, um, Russia has reestablished a gold window um, for rubles. And that translates also into uh, an equivalent price of rubles for the dollar of about 75 rubles for the dollar. Since they did this, we've seen the ruble shoot up in value against the dollar. And then they've also said, we'd like to have, you know, payment in rubles, which means that these um, foreign country companies in the European Union are going to have to go and buy rubles. And that is going to push the ruble up further. 
and make it a much more var valuable currency as a trading instrument too. So, um, you know, paradoxically, uh, you remember it was only in the beginning of March that the French finance minister was saying our aim is to collapse um, the Russian economy um, and to collapse, obviously, the ruble as part of that. He said that at the beginning of, of March. And now, one month later, we see in the financial press many commentators talking about this is beginning of the end of the fiat global monetary system because there's a crisis of confidence in that. Ultimately, you know, it worked so long as the dollar was vaguely in line with certain commodities. But since they made the mistake of sanctioning Russia so heavily, Russia is the kingpin of all commodities. Food, resources, oil, gas, precious metals, everything comes from Russia. They don't have supply lines. So when they do that, they've made a mayhem in all of the commodity markets. And that's affecting the fiat currency.